Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings, citizens. This is a science fiction movie podcast. We get together, we've watched the movie and we're going to talk about it. It's really that simple. We've had some big ones recently, but uh, we went with something a little bit lesser known. Uh, something that I hadn't really heard of until Tara said, hey, this was added to the Criterion channel. We should watch this random film. So we're here today to talk about Death Watch from 1980. This uh, stars uh, Romy Schneider, who I'd never heard of, but has an interesting backstory, which was prompted by Criterion's ominous phrasing of like her in the, the synopsis. Uh, but also Harvey Keitel, Harry Dean Stanton, and Max von Sydow, who's becoming a bit of a, a regular staple on, on the ace between mm-hmm. uh, his appearance in the bonus episode of Judge Dredd, of course, um, and uh, last year with... Uh, Ultimate Warrior. Oh, an Ultimate Warriors! Yeah, I forgot about that. I was going to go straight to Until the End of the World, but you're right. Mm-hmm. So this is at least a fourth Sado appearance. <laughs> Very good. I think this movie has some connection to Until the End of the World, also. Really? Yeah, like the two directors knew each other <clears throat> and were t- they both brainstormed th- these movies at the same time, and they both got Max Van Cito to show up at the end. <laughs> That's interesting. Yes. <laughs> Yes, but until the end of the world, though, it's so goddamn long that the end is, like, over an hour of Max von Yeah, <laughs> plus I think it came out, like, a, a while later. Oh, yeah, it's, like, another decade uh, yeah. or so. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, so we'll start spoiler-free, as we always do. Uh, this is a film set in a, you know, obviously at the time, future, where disease is basically gone. Uh, it's, it's extremely rare that anyone catches anything that's actually fatal. They've basically got cures to almost everything. So people only die of old age, more or less, or tragic accidents, presumably as well. Um, but dying young is such a weird and rare thing now that Death Watch is the name of a reality TV show. Although they never call it a reality TV show because the phrase reality TV show is a modern uh, thing. Um, as old lady Tara is dropping things. Um, Shut up. <laughs> 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 did you did you hear that? I thought I thought I thought I got that in time before your 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 phone back in. <laughs> oh well. Uh, so, um, basically, this movie is about Harvey Cattell, who gets experimental surgery to turn his ca- his eyes into cameras so that he can stealthily film things. He's a cameraman, but now he's obviously a stealth cameraman. And the subject of the newest Death Watch, the main character Catherine, uh, who is dying uh, of a disease. Uh, he tries to get close to and secretly film her her sort of final weeks, days, whatever it may end up being. And it's edited into a TV show, kind of Big Brother style, that airs. And everyone's all emotional. Um, honestly, probably the biggest thing I'd compare this to... Not It's not one-to-one, but there's definitely some Truman Show uh, mm-hmm. into this in a lot of ways. Uh, particularly, there's a couple of scenes where he's talking to her, uh, but once he's kind of like gotten close to her, and it reminded me of in Truman Show when they're trying to get him to like say something emotional, where they're like, "Hey, you know, think about your dad," and you know, not the product placement yeah, parts, but somebody is goading, goading yeah. them. Yeah, it's like they want like that emotional moment where she cries or something, so they can hear it and go, "Oh, look how sad it is—the emotion mm-hmm. of near death." Uh, um, so that is the the basic gist of it. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton plays like the 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 TV producer who does the show, uh, so he mm-hmm. kind of just inherently is kind of the villainous character from the start because he's behind all this shady shit. Um, Max von Sydow pops up later on in the film, so his role is a bit... I mean, it's not a spoiler to say that he's like an ex of the main character, but, I mean, it's just kind of... He's not a relevant thing until towards the end. Um, and that is uh, that is the basic gist. Uh, the actress who plays the main character, uh, Romy Schneider, uh, I have to admit, when I glanced at the credits the first time, I, just, I, I thought I saw Roy Schneider. <laughs> and I thought... Oh, we're getting uh, you know, the jaws. That's exciting. <laughs> As, oh no, this is not this is not him. It is not very different. Uh, but uh, the actress uh, to play Catherine here, she she had a very tragic end. This was one of her final roles. She died only two years after this movie was released. Um, uh, at first, it was deemed a suicide, but very quickly it was just turned into a cardiac arrest. So it may have been accidental. Uh, and mm-hmm. had relations to like a kidney operation she had just previously, but she had a very tragic last few years. Her, her uh, sort of early teen son died uh, in an accident where he fell on a like a fence, like a the spike of a fence, uh, and was killed. 
not long after this movie came out uh mm-hmm. and that apparently she was uh drinking heavily after that as one may expect and I she even... also smoked like three packs of cigarettes a day oh um and i didn't know this either but tara just sort of mentioned as well before we started that she also her husband her one of her husbands had committed suicide as well uh mm-hmm. beforehand so a uh, very tragic life with a very sad ending uh that happened not too long after this movie came out so uh i had never heard of her it was just it was just the criterion in the description said in one of her final roles and i'm like oh why okay i have to go look what wikipedia yeah i was looking at her her credits and it looks like she did a lot of french films mm. yeah. she was even engaged for a while like for a long time to a famous french actor yeah when i looked at her i mean i didn't really pay too much attention to the credits themselves but you know she, she had roles going all the way back to the mid 50s so she was clearly was like a, it was this was she was not like a fresh face in the acting realm she had a long career just maybe not mm-hmm. as maybe known not in hollywood yeah. yeah not as known to like uh more western i mean france is western you know what i mean like more western <laughs> english-speaking territories <laughs> sure uh, and i think yeah I, I don't know if she's worked with this director before but the director of this film is also french so mm-hmm. like he might have known her for a while like she might have been a big thing for him yeah yeah very very interesting cast um i'll be honest i was never entirely sure where this movie was supposed to be set um i know it was filmed uh and, I, <laughs> uh, and it was very obvious very quickly because it was filmed largely in glasgow uh and even other parts were filmed elsewhere in scotland so i started recognizing streets and locations uh, mm-hmm. early on obviously a little it's like because you know this was this would have been shot towards the end of the 70s so obviously things look a bit different to what i've seen but i started to recognize some of the old buildings and went wait a minute <laughs> i know what this is um and in case you missed it there's a credit at the end that tells you exactly yeah, where it, it was shot this is so weird so there's a there's an in memory of uh i think it's like a director the the, the the director of this was either friends with or respect or something like that so there's an in memory of so-and-so and then the very next thing before it actually starts the credits proper, because and this usually happens. See, see, when you watch credits all the way at the end, often there'll be a section right towards the end where there'll be a little thank you paragraph saying, "Oh, thank you to the city of Vancouver" or "thank you to whatever." Mm-hmm. All right, but for some reason, maybe they had such a good time filming in Scotland that, that like, right at the start of the credits, it says, "Thank you to the people of Glasgow for their help in making this <laughs> film possible and making sure we could shoot entirely on location in Scotland." And I'm like, "Why is this at the start?" clearly someone felt strongly about this i guess so um <laughs> your people must have left an impact apparently apparently <laughs> um so yes uh so that's that's just a weird thing so a, a weird thing uh no, uh but that's the thing like there's not a lot of scottish accents there is a few but there's not a lot and it's never very clear where they're supposed yeah, to... I, mean, I think the police officers, I noticed, but like, that was it, really. Uh, one police officer, there's a guy playing a guitar at one point who has one line of dialogue I noticed was Scottish. I think mm. there's maybe like a girl working at the shop who had a Scottish... But it's all like tiny roles. It's, like, no one of any importance has a Scottish accent. Right, yeah. Which, which says to me that for some of these smaller roles, they, they hired locally, and that's why they have mm-hmm. Scottish accents. But it, it it does murky the waters where I'm like, well, is, is this meant to be in England and they're just shooting in Scotland? Is it meant to be, you know, wherever? It's hard to... It is it, interesting with a cast like this that you've never heard of. I've never heard of the film either before. No. Uh, um, and the fact that two of our main characters are Harvey Keitel and Harry Dean Stanton means that... And then there are other leads, a French woman, or uh, sorry, an Austrian woman... Uh, that, 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 that was your fault. You said she was French before we started. You, you got I, me I thought French. maybe she was because they were speaking French in the film. Maybe, maybe she grew up there and she is mostly French, but she was born in Austria. Uh, but, yeah. um, nah, it's, it's just weird because you have like, okay, two Americans and an Austrian who may or may be more French. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, and Max von Sydow, of course, shows up and. Uh, yeah, to represent the Swedes? Is he Swedish? Uh, He's known for Swedish movies, so I assume he is, but it's one of those things where, <laughs> like, I feel like a lot of actors, or not just a lot of actors, but a lot of people who grow up in, like, Sweden or Denmark, you'll find that, oh, they actually were born in the one next to it, and then they moved, or, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, okay. there's a lot of moving around. I think she says in the movie that I, I think he's from Belgium. Okay, okay, so the character's from Belgium, but, uh, <laughs> Came all the way from Belgium for this. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a second to realize that's invisible maniac <laughs> oh no, was it not helsinki no it was belgium <laughs> okay okay it's burned in my memory all right all right i'll take your word for it 
I could have swore it was Helsinki, that line. Uh, check out the... Was that was that a Screams or an Ace? That was, was an Ace. That was like the first Screams bonus yeah. episode. The first ever Screams after a minute. The horror movie podcast, the, the, the big brother of this show. Okay. <laughs> Screams after midnight. Uh, that I do with Tim. The first ever bonus episode on Patreon, which you can get for $1 per month, uh, was Invisible Maniacs. Worth the... All right, now I don't have to do the plug. No, there's still <laughs> the full plug there. Don't even start. I'm, okay. I'm capitalizing on the, the natural flow of the conversation here. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, so it's a, it's a weird eclectic mix of nationalities. And it's definitely supposed to be the UK, I think. But I wasn't sure if it was actually supposed to be where it was shot or if it's elsewhere because I, I think most of the most of the prominent side characters early on felt like they had english accents you know for example harvey Cattell's wife uh has got an english accent uh mm-hmm. those other characters early on have english accents so i thought okay they're shooting in scotland but it's you know maybe for england whatever I, I think it's meant to be a little bit more mixed because it's the future also we don't really sure. know how far but we hear about other wars that i don't think have happened and so there is it could just be like, uh, yeah, it's more of a melting pot now because of we're yeah. post these wars and have more open borders now and people can cross over. That's true. I, I, I kind of wish it explored the mythology of the world a little bit because it is worth mentioning, there's not really much visually to tell you it's the future. No. Uh, it, it just looks like, you know, 1979 where they shot it. <laughs> yeah. That's all it, is. it has that, that Alphaville thing going on where it's just like, just believe us. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've, you've got the eye tech, but the eye tech basically amounts to not seeing anything. You just, you know, yeah. they have a feed of what he's looking at and that's basically it. <laughs> There's not really much more to it. Um, yeah. Some of the more interesting ideas though, they, they saw us, so, because one of the themes of the movie, of course, is like the fascination with people who die and old people who die are basically sent to old folks homes where because no one wants to deal with old people because it's oh it's weird like mm-hmm. that's like that's part of society we want to forget so that that's one of the themes of the movie for sure and definitely one of the societal things that is different and futuristic i guess um yeah but... they also they don't like uh it, it's like we, we see her dad at one point he's putting put i don't think this is too spoilery but no like, no they, he's been put in one of these homes where she goes to visit and he clearly has dementia but he's been doing things just fine it's just he still deals with the dementia part of being old but he doesn't have any problems like the it's like the medication or something the the treatment that he's doing is still keeping him as a fully functioning senior citizen but he can't the cost is that he still has to deal with some of the symptoms of dementia well, the and general she, the gist I got from when the, when because she, she kind of argues with a doctor and sort of implies that she basically thinks this is fake. Like, regardless mm-hmm. of what it's doing for him, it's kind of a fake life he's living right now. Um, yeah. Uh, so, and again, I wish it went into the, that in a bit more detail. And obviously, thematically, that's quite important for her because she thinks she's dying and what does that mean for her and mm-hmm. uh, so on and so on. But um, yeah, there's some interesting little tidbits like that that are kind of interesting. I mean, okay, before we get any further, we should just ask the damn question. We should talk about our feelings <laughs> and our thoughts. Tara, what did you think of Death Watch? I thought it was pretty good. Um, I don't, I don't love it, but it's, uh, it does, it does offer a lot of interesting ideas that I, that I, I do like, and I like the, I like the lead character a lot. Um, I will say I'm a little disappointed in um, both Harvey Keitel and Harry Dean Stanton. I didn't think they were doing their best in this film. I thought they were a little bit um, stilted in their acting a bit. Like some of their lines came off really unnatural. And I don't know if it's because like it was made by a guy who made, I think he just made this and then all French movies. So maybe his English wasn't good <laughs> or not, but uh, maybe. Uh, but some of the line readings I thought were not good. That's, a, that's, that's interesting. I mean, I wonder if it's, it could be, I mean, maybe as a communication thing, it totally could be that. And maybe that's why she's, doesn't have that problem perhaps um or it could just be like maybe his sensibilities for like what he likes in a performance doesn't translate as much to an english-speaking audience mm-hmm. versus like oh, maybe yeah what it's like in french I, I don't know um i also thought like i actually really liked the score but i thought it had very strange places where they chose to use it because a lot of points that a lot of parts of the film are are like scoreless they don't have any there's no music going on it's all dialogue but then when the score kicks in, it's like this really intense, like marching music. 
that I'm like, was, okay, but it, it would show up in scenes that weren't really, it wasn't really called for, but I could see myself listening to the score on its own. There's a couple of moments where the music gets downright horror movie sounding. Uh, yeah. Which, you know, given the, the sort of the existential, existential dread of like death coming for you, I suppose, kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't say it does anything super surprising plot wise, um, but. Um, it's I, I mean, a twist, I guess. Kind of, yeah. I, I uh, yeah, I would say I, I, I kind of falls into the same category for me. And obviously it came out in 1980, but clearly I think this is a bit of a holdover from the experimental 70s movies where <laughs> it doesn't quite completely nail what it's doing. So mm-hmm. going back to our 70s ones where we said, oh, there's a lot of really good experimentation, but most of them aren't, like, great. We both really, really liked The Truman Show when we rewatched it, too. <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. Truman it's hard Show, to make the comparisons. Truman Show is a better movie. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt in that. Like Truman, Truman Show is damn near perfect in what, mm-hmm. it's, what it's doing. And it's not to say that this doesn't offer something a little bit different, because I think this is a little bit darker because of the death angle. Um, oh, definitely. I mean... Sure, Truman Show. If you just set it later in his life, that could have been like, or change the plot to like, give him the make him think he's dying. Sure. You could have done I mean, something with that. But there's even parts at the end of Truman Show that I thought were very much just taken right from this film. Mm, yeah, in some ways, yeah. Um, but I I do think Truman Show like everything about it is like from start to finish, like everything is like fleshed out and connected, and everything looks gets to its point and does what it's doing this movie you know it's about two hours ten minutes long and you do feel the pacing a little bit to take mm-hmm. take the hit it, t- it takes quite a long time to get to the main point of the movie which is harvey Cattell kind of like try to get close to her because that that's really what the plot is it's him getting close to her to witness her as she's dying without her knowing because because she, she agrees to be on camera as part of death watch for a lot of money uh for her you know her husband who she's going to leave behind but then she does a, a, a run, a runner, and she, she tries to escape. And they kind of predict this, and that's the whole point of Harvey Cattell, is he can sort of, like, get up close and pretend to be a friend. Mm-hmm. And obviously you expect he's going to eventually kind of care about her and feel guilty that he's doing this because it's kind of horrible and so on and so on. And that all all works. But the thing is, is that I, I think it's, like, 50 minutes into the, the, the runtime before we get to the point where he's like getting try, goes up to her for the first time. Not even just getting close, but the first time he even meets her properly. Oh, it might even be uh, it might even be later than that. It might not even be until like an hour into it. Because I, I think it's like, yeah, the first half is just following her around. And then well, with the, the news of what's happening to her. Even though we see right in the beginning, like the setup, but then it's just her dealing with like the paparazzi <laughs> for like the first hour and then once she agrees to it that's like an hour into the film so yeah it does feel like you could have like either cut it down significantly or use that time a bit wiser perhaps to yeah i would say cut down on the first half for sure and expand on the second half yeah uh, uh I, let their I, relationship feel a bit more um I don't know. Like, I like that stuff, like, when they're together. Yeah, I have some but. thoughts on it that I'll, I'll save for spoilers because it's, you know, getting mm-hmm. into kind of where it goes, but um, there are some things I appreciate about it that didn't take the easy path or the obvious path that I think I, I, I appreciate. So, that's good. I mean, there's mm-hmm. definitely positive points and, you know, and it is nice to see some of these actors, even if it's not maybe their best performance. It's hard not to enjoy Harry Dean Stanton uh just yeah as a presence um i i i think the movie has a lot of again good ideas and it seems to really really want to relish in the the human drama of it but there's definitely times where you know like i said i was maybe not entirely sure at times where they were location wise there's a point in the movie where they travel and I still wasn't exactly sure where they traveled to, <laughs> even mm-hmm. though it feels like that should be a bit of information that was mentioned properly. Um, there was a lot of fuzziness uh, about the world that felt less like in a good ambiguous way, like I think other sci-fi movies do that, where, yeah. okay, they want to leave like parts of the world and how it works to a mystery, and it lets us like think about it and like maybe theorize and whatever. 
this feels a just a little bit like the the mythology's a little undercooked because like maybe they just didn't care about it. They were, no, no, it's all about the main story. Everything else is just whatever. We'll mention enough that we need to and leave it at that. Basically, I would have. I mean, I don't. I don't mind a, you know, let's just talk about the science fiction elements and not have everything shown to us. You know, I don't need the, the, the bleeps and the bloops of the sci-fi robot world. But it oh, would no. be nice to have something that attempted to look a little bit more like we're in another time <laughs> or that, 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 that's like, not even... even if like a thing where people wear the same jumpsuits or something <laughs> no but that's not even what i'm talking about i'm not even talking about anything visual i'm not talking about mm-hmm. like making it more futuristic or anything like that i'm talking about just the ideas that are already here like expand mm-hmm. upon like the attitude towards old people who are dying expand on um you know why the society is so mixed that if it's not just like a convenient like this is the actors we have we're just going to roll with it kind of thing like if that's if that's an actual idea then you know give me some of that world give me some of this this context for the world that we're in and i would like a little more reminder that we are in that world though because like i think we get we get the conversation with our father and the stuff in the beginning and then basically nothing like every now and then it'll cut back to the control room area but the still, that doesn't really strike me as too futuristic when we're there. Like, I, I still would have liked to have something. I don't know. I'm a sci-fi junkie, you know? I would have liked to have something. <laughs> like, even until the end of the world, which was like a five-hour long movie, would throw something in every hour to remind you, we're in the future. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously. They have eye scanners. Yeah, cool. it feels old by today's stars, but, every, you know, like the, the, the pay phone would have like a TV screen and you'd see each other yeah. on it. And it's right, like, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, I love that. You know, I love the idea that you know someone has the idea at some point. Like, you know what? Let's put like Skype into like payphones, and we'll actually have have this because that's we essentially all do it now. Yeah. <laughs> so you know why not? <laughs> uh, probably too many people try to photobomb whoever's having a phone call though. <laughs> people, just people in the street. Yeah, right. it, it would. Yeah, it's not very private. <laughs> yeah, it would. Uh, society would break down almost immediately. Yes, you're right. That's a bad idea. Um, <laughs> so. No, and obviously some of the other themes are kind of obvious, but you know, the themes of death and the meaning of like your life and accepting death and embracing your end. Yeah, um, there's like a loss of creativity theme going on um, mm-hmm. because people aren't don't have to worry about things like uh, disease and stuff. Then it's a little bit like the Twilight Zone episode where the guy makes a pact where he doesn't he can't die, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. he can't he doesn't feel life anymore because there's no fear of death. So there's a little bit of a loss of that. She is a computer programmer. And I think the programmer, the program she created writes books. Do you know what? <laughs> Do you know what? Until you mentioned that, I'd forget. Because this is this is the first 15 minutes of the movie and it's never brought yeah. up again. So, yeah, because we meet, we meet Harvey Keitel first and we get, you know, we get kind of like the explanation of his eyes and stuff. And mm-hmm. there's a scene of him like walking around and just like looking at random things because he's like recording it all now. And it's, he's, it's just like, oh, it's the, the, the hot new thing. And he's all excited. Yeah, uh, the first right. 15 minutes are very sci-fi. Yeah. And there's narration about it. But when he's, he talks to her and Dean Stanton, he's like, oh, hey, so we've got this, this person who might be the subject to the next, the next series of Death Watch. And he explains, and because he says like a weird word, it's like computer something. Like the, the books are called computer text or something like that. And I was like, but it's a, it's a paperback novel. What are you talking about? And I get confused until they show her at, at the computers that this is her job. She doesn't write novels. She inputs some key data into a computer that then churns out a novel by yeah. automatic. And it's like... There's an, an AI oh. system does everything now. So people don't have to be creative because they have a computer program does all the creativity you know, for them i think you just justified your point there that you we need to be reminded of that more often that theme needs to come back and it, it does come back in one sort of speech towards the end which we'll get to mm-hmm. in spoilers but i think more examples of like how media and how art is created in this world now like this should have been there should have been something in the middle to bring this back into the fold i think so yeah you're right because i'd 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 completely forgotten about that book thing <laughs> and it's such a it's such a specific weird thing as well and i forgot about it that's how like i don't know behind it's left in the movie once you get going it's just it's gone my, my only other complaint about the film is that um harvey Keitel has the camera in his eye so the whole time you're watching him you're like <laughs> sometimes he'll move like super fast like dude that's gonna be hard to watch that's not gonna transfer well like they... why aren't you looking at her while you're having the conversation because 
he's just gonna have the ocean now instead of her in the scene <laughs> like he's a horrible cameraman he's going for the uh the, the cinematic like the pan from the ocean to her as she's talking emotionally but he doesn't uh, he goes he goes like this i know the the, the <laughs> he doesn't address like his performance maybe should have incorporated it more but they do yeah. address it in, in the control room when they're getting the footage. They do mention occasionally that, oh, that shot was a bit blurry because he moved too fast. They, they do kind of mention it a touch. Yeah. But, yeah. I get what you're saying, though. His performance could have embellished that and kind of... Yeah, he should be, like, staring at her while she's having this emotional moment instead of looking back and forth from the beach to her or looking down. Like, don't do that. That's a horrible shot. <laughs> Yeah, and it says something about you talking about this this loss of uh, art because no one like fears death. Like the idea that the one kind of art they have is exploiting people who are dying, and that's mm-hmm. the only way they can feel anything from art is is to actually find someone who is going to die and exploit that for their own emotion. Yeah. Uh, so super interesting, and yeah, and yeah, it's worth mentioning. Yes, that this is it's effectively reality TV. We talked about it with uh, Truman Show how it kind of just predated most reality TV. But this really predates it. This is like way oh, yeah. before. You know, I wasn't joking at the and start their, when their I said. And their channel station is called NTV, but because people's accents, it sounds like MTV. <laughs> but it does predate MTV. It does, yeah. Because it's, it's, obviously, I, th- I think if this movie was made after MTV, they would have picked a different name because they wouldn't have wanted that confusion. But because yeah. it predates MTV, NTV uh, seemed like a fine <laughs> idea at the time. Right. Would that sound the same in my accent? Yes. Okay. <laughs> N- you tried really hard. N for Norris, as in Chuck Norris. <laughs> yes. Not, not M as in metal, as in full metal bitch. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I found some. I found some. Okay. Uh, That's my call sign. You wish. <laughs> I know. It's so cool. <laughs> uh so yeah i mean i think we could probably uh dive into like the the rest of the movie and spoilers and stuff so i will take this time to thank our patreon producers for the month of january i have to think about that thank you to tyler hess cindy palacios david short born now al treisman christopher moy brett williams and david brown thank you to you all your patreon producers which means they are 20 dollars or more uh over at patreon and tara is going to tell you all about patreon right now that's right. Uh, if you enjoy our reviews, please check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. And if you donate as those $1 per month, you will get access to bonus episodes, including our Max von Sydow starring Judge Dredd, which is our first one that we did. Oh, yeah. Also, minor guest star, Sylvester Stallone's also there. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, Rob Schneider is too. <laughs> unsung um, hero. Un- unsung hero of that film. Ugh. <laughs> check out our opinions i think they've they differ slightly that was comedy all right just don't 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 make that so like i was being serious there right <laughs> there's no need for that and if you donate five dollars per month you'll get access to this show one day early but some other shows you get a week early so maybe beneficial to you to check it out thank you yes you can also support us for free simply by hitting the like button, subscribing, all that good stuff. Uh, helps out a lot. YouTube really cares about it, so therefore we have to care about it. That's so, right. So full spoilers then from this point on for Death Watch. And I almost said Death Wish. And we were just talking off off camera about how we keep almost accidentally saying Death Wish. Uh, <laughs> it's super close. Yeah. Um, so, no, I, I think one of the first like sort of subjects I want to tackle in spoilers which is something that is briefly explained at the start, but I, I can't. I don't think they explained it well enough for me, in the sense that I never quite got exactly what would happen until it actually does. Which is mm-hmm. this camera implant in Harvey Keitel's eyes. So the opening scenes like this close up of his face, and there's a doctor talking to him and explaining that okay, have you been practicing sleeping with your eyes open because he can't sleep with his eyes shut anymore? Like this, this tech, if he doesn't have light in his eyes, uh, like constantly, like if he goes like more than what turns out to be later, maybe like a couple of minutes, maybe, uh, then he'll just go blind. And I don't know if that threat of him, like, because cause later on when he's like, uh, he's like arguing for like a certain bed in like the, the church with all the homeless people, or he's arguing for the light to be turned on 
Um, he says that he's just scared of the dark because of like some PTSD from like a worry thought or something. Um, yeah. And I never got that. That's how serious it was. I, I knew it was because of the camera. I knew it was more to do like something to do with like oh he needs light for the camera, right? Because otherwise it'd just be dark. But yeah, it would be a bad shot. Yeah, but I I, I never quite got from that opening scene that he would just straight up go blind if uh yeah. if it, and admittedly the movie kind of undersells it a little bit even though it's kind of tragic when it happens later in the movie um and it's it's, it's probably one of the best scenes in the film actually because he's like saying hey like put the, the flashlight in my eyes and mm-hmm. he, he says it like three times and she's already doing it so you know he's went blind and he's not realized it yet and it's, it's kind of like, oh that was actually a well-handled moment direction wise yeah I? yeah a lot of um there's a lot of emotion coming from him too it was a pretty strong like performance in that scene for sure yeah. and he's in like the cold shore of like a northern scottish beach so he's miserable right now i can tell you yeah. <laughs> there's a brisk those screams a, are real yeah brisk water there uh so <laughs> like that that is a really great scene but i don't know like i wasn't feeling this threat throughout the film that he could go blind if he just doesn't do the right thing honestly i thought it was just the ptsd stuff i did not realize that that would be an effect mm. of the camera uh, but they undersell it a little bit, though, because because as we mentioned, like disease and stuff have basically been wiped out. There's nothing like that anymore. And afterwards, when he's blind, he very quickly just kind of says, ah, I'll be okay. They'll fix me up. They know how to fix this. And he's probably right. Like The context of the world that we've seen, what little we have had, implies that, yeah, they probably can just fix them. Yeah, seemingly they can fix almost all ailments. So, unless whatever they did to his eyes means it can't be fixed, which, I mean, if, and if that's the case, they should have mentioned that to make it feel sadder. <laughs> Right. Maybe yeah. he's just really upset that he can't finish filming the show. <laughs> uh, well, no, because this comes right after he's like started to not fall in love. And I, th- I think this is like one of the things that I appreciate about the movie is that mm-hmm. he does kind of fa- he falls for her, but not in like a and there's a joke a couple of times because at one point like because they're staying like for some reason they travel like homeless people like across the UK and I don't know why yeah. necessarily people on the run staying off the grid I guess but. At one point, they're, when they're near the shore, right? When they're almost at the distance, because she wants to go visit this old husband slash boyfriend, uh, Max Bonsido. Uh I think husband. They share the same last name. Oh, you're right. Yeah, husband. And um, they, they, they're at like this little, uh, like, I don't know, fisherman's house or something, like next to the water. And there's like one bed, and she says something like, oh, like, I want to like, sleep close because I think we should share the bed. We're adults, but, you know, nothing. Fun. No funny business. Yeah. Um, and he kind of smiles. Oh, sure. No fun. Oh, well. That was exciting. But and it's a little <laughs> joke. But honestly, the movie's arc for him is more about him realizing that how much he kind of like wants to actually try with his wife. Because his arc, like, and it does it with a really sort of on the nose bit of dialogue. But to be fair, it does kind of work in the context because we, we mm-hmm. have she, the wife narrates a lot of the movie. Uh, well, that's to say a lot. Every so often there's a bit of narration, right? Uh, yeah, and she's clearly talking about him. Yeah, I actually thought that was a bit strange, the narration. It kind of told you that she was going to be at least like aware of the whole story by the end. So it kind of implied she was coming into it by the end, I suppose. It, it's almost like um, like the movie's trying to tell you that you know he's the one being watched or talked about, and mm. like may- maybe is being watched to die <laughs> it, it felt really ominous in a way that the way she talks about oh that first day because when he's walking around at the start of the movie with his new mm-hmm. camera eyes like that first day he said he just walked around didn't even know where mm-hmm. he went he just walked somewhere over and over so, you know and it sounds really ominous, like oh this is going to lead to his death but it's actually the opposite because at the end of the movie it seems like him and his wife are going to rekindle and they're going to like because because yeah. the movie starts off they're estranged like he doesn't live with her uh, we never no. see his kid but they have a kid we hear that they have a kid <laughs> but he comes to see her and he gets mad at her. She try he tries to give her money because he's got this promotion with his new eye thing. Um and she's like, Oh oh you got a promotion, you know what is it? And she says, Oh, is it a new toy? And he gets really upset at her, but it's like, oh, it's like she's belittling his work and he gets really mad. And it's not until it's later in the movie, that's what I talk about the on the nose line of dialogue that shows that he's kind of had his arc, is that when he's blind and he's sitting like making small talk with Max Monsido, because he's he's blind before they get to him, right? So he mm-hmm. he never meets him without, you know, his blindness. And he's sitting there talking to him and he asks him about, you know, what was it like getting the eye done? You know, did, did you, you know, were you scared or whatever? And he kind of just responds like with a sort of like more, you know, nuanced, like, you know, tone and voice and just says, you know, it was the, the toy to end all toys or something like that. It's like, it's just, you know, he says that, and it's him acknowledging 
not so much that it is a toy but that his attitude towards it and that's why his wife phrased it that way he kind of acknowledges that he kind of jumped mm-hmm. into this and he's always chasing something and you know so there's enough there to give you the arc yeah like it seems like he was more invested in his work than it was his family yeah and the idea of like and that's kind of the theme of the movie right is that you know getting close to death it makes you realize what you have and you know what you should mm-hmm. cherish and then so on you know there's the simple good old stuff um the darker side of it <laughs> of course is that uh catherine it turns out was never dying this was all a really horrible thing that harry dean stanton did he wanted mm-hmm. to make someone who he thought might be interesting think she was dying and then film it and then reveal later that oh no you're not dying you're fine uh, it's actually the medication the doctor's given her for her symptoms that are making her act a bit sick and crazy right. at times. Um, and but she chooses to OD at the end of the film and kill herself. Like that—that's her ending. It's a really dark ending for her character. Yeah, she says it's the only thing that like she still had a choice on, and she she wanted to do it to get back at, at Vincent, who's Harry Dean Stanton's character. Like this is the only way that I can get back at him, but. It's a little confusing because at the end of the film, nobody really knows that she's dead except for Max Foncito because he hasn't confirmed it or anything. Maybe they suspect. But then Terry, I think her name was Terry, the wife of Harvey Keitel, says, uh, like, oh, he's done. He's already done. Like, Tracy. Tracy, yeah. Mm. Um, he's already done. Like, don't don't bother trying to get your revenge because he's he's done. Yeah, all, all this secret following of a person across the country as they do all these things has eventually got them in trouble, yeah. <laughs> not, not, she seems not to sure. die for... I mean, I know it's a ballsy move to just let her... to, to kill herself, but uh, she seems sort of to die for no reason. I I don't really love the ending, to be honest. I kind of read it in a way here that I think... She says it's for the revenge or it's like how to get to him or, you know, it's her choice and that she has, she has agency mm-hmm. in this choice. I kind of took it as, admittedly, that this is more about again showing how evil Vincent is and like the consequences of what he's actually done here. But this mm-hmm. idea that she she made such peace with that she was going to die that upon finding she wasn't, um, she'd already let herself go. She'd already let the, 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 her head. Like, she wasn't relieved when she found out that it was it was fake. Um, maybe she didn't believe because because said said oh here's it in the phone because they're coming. And they tell yeah. him over the phone, she's actually okay, you know, just stop taking the medication, she's fine. Like, that's what's causing everything. Um, so you could argue she doesn't believe him. Because I was thinking that maybe one of the most interesting talking points is, like, why did she choose to do this? Like, she says yeah. it's to get back at Vincent, but I, I, it doesn't really... It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really, uh, doesn't really work for me, that, that reason. So, yeah. and especially, you know, since everyone is like, well, he's already done for anyway. <laughs> so she died for, like, her death doesn't doesn't end him either yeah i mean it definitely will i like i mean i assume it'll make it worse like cr- criminal charges for driving this woman to suicide might uh definitely well not just get back to him but also probably stop any like future voyeurism into oh for sure yeah this subject but um yeah i don't know i i wish uh i wish it had a bit more impact um or, or something that was a bit more clear just because, uh, I mean, she she chooses to kill herself. And I, I agree. Like, I also had that thought, like, well, she's already accepted death at this point, and she's she's done the things that she wanted to do to live, and maybe she's ready for it. And this is just her decision now. Yeah, she left, but, you know, she left her current, like, boyfriend slash husband. I guess it was just boyfriend. Yeah, there's, like, a line in the movie where they were looking for him, and I guess he was caught, like, sleeping with another woman <laughs> when they found him or something. He moved, so, he moved on quick. Yeah, <laughs> she's like not even day. dead yet. <laughs> she left. Well, she she left him with like the the half of the money that she got for for accepting. Yeah, the thing, so he so. just went on a bender, huh? I, I guess. Yeah, he, he's at he's at that kind of like shanty marketplace that that, that that she sort of disappears at, and he's mm-hmm. just sort of like making small talk with this this woman. And I don't think he's necessarily with her, but like just the idea that he's just going to start exploring and seeing who he can talk to and. Yeah. I mean, he seemed to, like, in the beginning of the film, like, he was like, oh, these people came by, and just so you know, like, they want to put you on TV, and she right mm-hmm. away is like, so how much money did you ask for? <laughs> like, I know you want me to do this for the for the money. Uh, yeah, he tries and to he play... And he guilts her, like, well, you know, when you're going to be gone, like, what am I supposed to do? 
Like, this is for us. He, do, he does try to pretend he doesn't want it for at least a minute. He, he does. I mean, obviously, he, did, he clearly yeah. does, but he tries to pretend. No, 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 of course I don't want that. Um, I told uh, him no. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, of course, she eventually does. And she, she has, like, because she says to Haradine Staten when she eventually agrees to do it, she's like, okay, but I want, like, two days to myself before all this starts, right? So I want two days of pri privacy and whatnot. And he's like, sure. And then she fakes, like, having, like, a seizure <laughs> to see what he does. And he like, immediately calls in cameras and stuff. He's like, send in the camera crew. We got footage here. Right, she, right. And she snaps out and goes, aha. <laughs> also, like, when he when she gets the diagnosis from the doctor, she's already being filmed. Yeah, they've got, like, a, a, a two-way mirror. Because uh, mm -hmm. Harvey Cattell's not met her yet in person, but he's actually standing behind the mirror with Harry Dean Stanton. It's like, this is the subject, and this is... I was a little bit confused if the if the doctor knew what was going on, like if he knew that this was going to be fake. No, he definitely did, because uh, later on in the film, he's constantly guilty and mentions that. Oh, okay. He, so, so he he kind of like I don't know if he came up with with the medication as or whatever, but he, he's it, in it the whole thing. It just seemed like at the the last moment um, when we see him, he's all of a sudden like, "She's okay. I I made a mistake or something." I I thought it was just like he. He suddenly realized that she was okay. No, I think this is someone else like that Vincent. He went and checked the facts again. <laughs> yeah, I think this is someone else that Vincent corrupted and like got you know convinced to do this. I think but, that's darker, and I think that's yeah. better. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the case because it, it makes the uh, everything else kind of click together. Uh, so one of the things we were talking about earlier is the uh, the idea of art suffering, and that's why this is the only kind of emotional response that anyone has for anything because everything's just created by algorithms and mm -hmm. and. The sad part is, is that now that I'm talking about this, I'm like, I do kind of feel like movies in a weird way are start like more and more. It feels like the mainstream movies are kind of leading towards like, like, and I, I enjoy the Marvel movies and I enjoy stuff that comes out. There's but a formula though. There is like, a formula. You, can, you yeah. can just like type in okay these character names, uh, this is the color that they wear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, there these is, are their ages go <laughs> there is you know we don't really talk about an algorithm we talk more about how some movies feel like by committee and it feels like mm -hmm. there's a kind of a winning formula that they're kind of settled on in hollywood for big budget stuff that doesn't get altered too much uh so i, I, I do think in a metaphorical way that this there's some truth to this and a weird predictive oh, definitely sense. yeah uh, obviously there's still wonderful indie stuff being made and there's there are still chances being taken elsewhere but uh, there is there's an argument. Even video games are doing the same thing. Where all you know all the AAA video games are either the open world collectathons, or and as much as I love the third person like you know Naughty Dog style narrative like mm -hmm. emotional you know even God of War which is great kind of you know copied the Naughty Dog formula to an extent. Uh, and then other games have done that too. And I love them, but there mm -hmm. is definitely a, a lot of genres are disappearing because like, no no only these two or three things are successful. So we're just going to keep doing these two or three things. Uh, but no, but the conversation that Max Monsido has, where he talks about he he found the one uh, copy of this this piece of music uh, from all these people who were being killed, all these musicians who were being killed. Um, I can't even remember what the what the, the war, what the, the the context was of the story. Uh, but it was yeah, people I don't who, know. He survived like seven hundred years, though. Oh no, it was it was a Scottish thing. That's right. Yeah, it was uh, it was uh, because it was it was it brought the Bruce went to war because not because it was like for like noble reasons because he wanted to have certain music played <laughs> at something and the, the, uh, the story was kind of murky right uh, and for anyone who said i home, mean when it when it's said by max Francido, it's very interesting <laughs> yes for anyone said at home going why, why doesn't Peter know this is scottish history why shouldn't he know this look I, we never actually did Scottish history in school. I we did World War One, we did World War Two, we did the Cold War, we did Rise of Hitler. And you Nazis. watched Braveheart. <laughs> uh, we might have watched Braveheart once, which is very factually, like, all over the place and not even close in most places. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I it's uh, but you know, he talks about how these musicians were being hunted down uh, and killed. So, so the, to hide the fact that they were composers and musicians, they were burning their their you know, their, their music sheets. Um, mm -hmm. and the one that survived was hidden and he found it and yeah the, the kind of the context being is that this wonderful music that he that, as he points out like some of the, the, the music techniques in this piece are like centuries ahead of their time like these, these are modern like techniques that are being used in this music which at the time would have been blowing people's minds because it was much simpler um, 
Yeah, it sort of has a Fahrenheit 451 metaphor. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Uh... And, and or Alphaville. Alphaville has that same kind of sort of theme where like you as we get more advanced we lose creativity or the things that we lose passion for for the arts. I, I mean I don't know. If other things are automated. I don't know if it's like a, a direct thing to this, but I do wonder if there is maybe a statement here about like the, the merits of someone who is an artist creating art by having a message through a piece of work that they create from start to finish, you know, whether that be a movie, whether that be a book, a song, whatever. Uh, versus the trashiness of something like reality TV, where you're just taking people and prodding them into situations that may mm-hmm. get a real reaction, because that'll create a reaction in the audience. Like, mm-hmm. and again, not that that was as common, not even close to as common uh, when this was made, but I do wonder if, like, is it, at least looking through it through a modern lens, I can see that now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So. There is that one scene in the film where um, Harvey Keitel is getting supplies and he asks, I think it's like the first day that the show airs and he asks the girl working like why she watches it and she says because it makes me cry. Yeah. <laughs> Seemingly like they don't really have a lot of things that give them emotion anymore. And when they, there is an example where they're, I think he's reading from the, the books that the um, that the computer writes and it is just sort of nonsense. <laughs> Like it's, it's just very generic romance novel. <laughs> I don't know what you want to call it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very like Stephanie Myers adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying that Stephanie Myers books could be churned out by an algorithm? Shh. <laughs> um, I I'll tell you this though: Fifty Shades of Grey, from everything I hear, was basically just a search and replace from. <laughs> from some Twilight fan fiction, from what I, I recall. Um, yeah, I've heard that as well. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I and I think maybe you could argue that again. It's not like as in your face in this movie, but taking what we're just talking about here about the art and the the feelings and the emotion and what that being missing, mm-hmm. you can almost say, oh, it's almost you, know, you say Fahrenheit four five one. I'd extend that you know, to equilibrium. The idea that Harvey Cattell's arc for this movie, and again, it's a lot more downbeat and a lot more grounded, but the idea that he finds humanity again, so the idea of him gaining sympathy for his subject, is like, oh, she's a person with feelings and emotions and we're exploiting her. And Well, yeah. I mean, one of the reason he goes blind is because he starts watching the show and he starts crying and he gets really emotional from watching it and he's late. And <laughs> so it gets he's, dark, yeah. Yeah, it gets too dark and he... Um, I, I don't know what happens with the flashlight. I guess he just went too long. No, that's important because he actually makes a choice. He actually, in a moment of like feeling guilty. Yeah, I guess he gets, he gets do you mad. Think he, he does it on purpose. Yeah, he kind of makes a choice and then immediately goes, shit, maybe maybe I was a bit short sighted. No pun okay. intended. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, throwing my flashlight away. Because I, I think because he has a moment where he's really he's so mad at himself for being part of this that he throws the flashlight away because he's mad about what he's done with his eyes. And then, yeah. like, obviously, like, 30 seconds later, he's like, shit, I'm going blind. Uh, I, need to find, <laughs> I need to find the flashlight. Uh, maybe he really does have PTSD for, like, the war thing. So, like, yeah. now I have to face this fear because I've made the decision to go blind. Yeah. I'm not um, ready for it. And it's, after, it's off camera, actually, where he's admitted to everything. Because like, mm-hmm. it comes, next time we see him with her, uh, she's he's basically apologizing and saying for, for what he's done and being part of it. Right, he's just like, so are you still there? And she's not responding, and she still doesn't respond. She just yeah. eventually makes sounds of walking away, so he knows she's still there. Which is which is a good uh, scene, I think. I think later on as mm-hmm. well, like after she's like taking the pills and seemingly died, uh, he he's been like he's he's napped out in the front. He's like on a chair outside, and yeah, he wakes he up. Yeah, he can finally sleep. Yeah, <laughs> he can finally shut his eyes. Yeah, and he wakes up and he's like, "Hey, Catherine, you there?" And there's like no noise for a bit, and he starts to get agitated, and then eventually. Because Max once said it was standing on the whole time, and eventually says, "No, it's me," and he, he breaks the news that she's dead, and it's you know, um, I, I and I do like, I do like the emotional reaction because obviously uh, Vincent arrives in a helicopter, and he's and he's brought uh, Tracy, he's brought uh, Harvey Cattell's wife, and mm-hmm. she even points out before they before they even board the helicopter, she says, "You've brought me because you know you're scared of him, like you mm-hmm. you've brought me to calm him down because you know that my presence will yeah him. He, he's probably seen Bad Lieutenant." <laughs> it's very scary in that film uh oh i'll bet because uh, nick cage is pretty scary but entertaining in the uh <laughs> the, the reboot of it i've seen that one as well yes uh shoot him again why he's dead but his soul's still dancing I love 
Merci so <laughs> much. all that crack. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. His new movie looks terrible, but I still want to see it. I still want to see this. It looks bad. Oh, God. Nick Cage, he can be both like the best thing and the worst thing. Like at, at the like the flip of a switch, it's it's incredible. Um, but no, I like at the end that when Vincent comes up and he's like, oh, you know, is is she okay? And Cyril breaks that he's you know breaks the news that she's dead, and he tries to get in to see. And obviously, like, oh, does he want like a shot? Does he want to get footage of her dying, their dead body, mm-hmm. for for the show for the ending? And Cyril's like leave or i will kill you like he just and then Cattell, when he realizes because you know he feels his wife and his wife's there and she's oh he's oh tracy tracy and he's like is vincent here and he just he's blind but he goes swinging he goes straight to yeah. he goes straight to choking him yeah i, I do kind of like the reaction that both of these people because I, I, I like the, the touch that she's such a, an interesting and like good person and a, a good presence in their lives that she's made this new friend at harvey Cattell. <laughs> Uh, she has this old husband friend, of course, of, of Max Mancero, but this idea that both of them are willing to kill this like this bastard who's exploited her. Uh, yeah. And the idea that both someone from her past when she was younger, but also someone now, even in her last days, uh, someone who was, to begin with, against her and like kind of manipulating her and being part of that that system. Mm-hmm. So it kind of like it tells you about... It sort of like builds her up as being this really... Uh, not important person, but someone who affected those around her, had an influence on those around her, and caused, you know, people cared about her because of who yeah. she is. So, yeah. Because, and, and, you know, the movie ends, it's a really weird freeze frame moment, actually. It freeze frames, like, a bit too early. But <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> but the movie ends with Harvey Keitel turning to Max von Sydow and saying, hey, uh, I would like to introduce you to my wife, Tracy. And it freeze frames. Yeah. <coughs> I did think that was a bit odd as well. <laughs> I'm dying. Please. <laughs> Actually, I watched a video not that long ago about like uh, the trope of the of the sick girl and how like so many of these films like Sweet November or um, The Fault in Our Stars where like it's about the the girl who is dying but has a love of life that no <clears throat> one else can see or appreciate. And so it always brings out like the best of uh, the cynical guy mm-hmm. who's and I have to say, like, I don't think this one follows that trope. Like, from the description that you just said, it it sounds like it does, but uh-huh. she's pretty cynical, like, throughout the whole thing. Like, she's not loving life. She's just, like, saying, you yeah, know, this no. world sucks. I, I, I think she's, she's more interesting because uh, she has she has this positive... People fall for her and fall for her in friendship and in love, but she's not, like, this loving life character. She's a cynical bitch, mm-hmm. basically. <laughs> And, basically yeah yeah but she's she's a cynical bitch that you would get to know and care about and mm-hmm. you know it makes it feel more real so um but yeah the free stream is really shows weird. You the world for what it is which is not you know rainbows and unicorns all the time but arguably is more attractive if you have half a brain cell so uh <laughs> but but I, I think that that moment though the idea that he's going to introduce his wife the fact that he just straight up says this is my wife i want you to meet her because she's also mm-hmm. a good person and i and this the brief time i've met you through through catherine you you seem to be a nice person this is just him saying, "I'm yes, we're making this work. My marriage is going to work, damn it!" Because, it, you <laughs> yeah. know, that's what it means. But I'm freeze, over the toys. Yeah, if freeze frame is just a bit too quick. Uh, I, I think so too. Yeah, it it feels it's a bit jarring. <clears throat> it's a bit and then odd. it goes straight to the thank you to the people of Glasgow. <laughs> yes, thank you, Scotland. You've treated us well. Yes, you're welcome. I do really like our main character, though. I think she was uh, really, really good in this film. I thought she was uh, probably the best part. Yeah. You made me worry that the next time I watch me, me and Errol and the Dying Girl, that I'm going to be looking at it through the lens of that trope. But I do think it's. I mean, it's there. Same with that one that we hate, um, Garden State. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. me, me and Errol's Dying Girl is a fantastic movie and has constant reference to Werner Herzog, so it can't, it can't be bad. I, I think in the in the video they they do acknowledge that that movie kind of breaks the trope. But oh, good, good. <laughs> well, Again. It's, been, I, it's been a while since I watched it. I haven't but seen that. I haven't seen the film. Like, but I just, I don't think it was on Looper or something. Yeah. I don't know. It was something that popped up. I'm like, okay, I'll check this out. I, I, because I, <laughs> I love that movie, and I think that's. I mean, that's a very interesting because it's coming of age, and they're all teenagers, so it adds this extra sadness to it because she's only, you know, seventeen or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's about dealing with death and stuff, and um, but it does have some of those elements of like, you know. 
you know, changing the characters around her because of her influence. But I think you always have to do that to some extent. Otherwise, well, it's a sad story because the character <laughs> didn't affect anyone. <laughs> and, like, sure. They were they were effectively meaningless. Right. Uh, but that's, that's a great movie. I, I recommend being there all the dying girl. Uh, not sci-fi, though, of course, which is what we're talking about here, which is using a Truman Show-like device to kind of... Uh, do something different with it so it adds in these themes of exploitation these themes of voyeurism and these themes of mm-hmm. uh we have we have lost the ability to create art so we instead try to force it into people by exploitation and you know i think we've we've said in a couple of ways how that kind of relates to media now not as as extremely obviously but you know i think there's a couple of things we've said about reality tv or how movies are a bit formulaic that kind of and if people were uh, I, I want to talk to someone who was into movies in like 1980 and if they thought movies were formulaic then because you know we look at the 80s with this like oh my god there was so much creativity all these new things that i mean now they're trying to do like all these reboots of but yeah. they were all original or in the like 80s. sequels 30 years later <laughs> yeah right um, so yeah there's also it... a little bit about our obsession with watching death too i mean this is sure. something yeah, sure. that's been around for a while when we watch tv and movies like we um people are more people, i don't know we like watching death <laughs> we like watching things we don't want to experience oh yeah i mean i'm a fan of horror movies i mean i, I love a good head explosion <laughs> if nothing else you know yeah <laughs> uh, i mean sometimes death can be a little too real in film like of uh, course yeah i mean there's the one in um in 1917 which was like you watch someone die slowly and you're like i hate this Do you know, i hate this i was scene. worried for a second that you were going to pick something <laughs> that was going to be like wait tarry can't just start spoiling deaths in movies but that's <laughs> it's a war movie okay you, we, okay it's not a spoil it's just a death in 1917 you're fine yeah in the film 1917 there's a death that you watch yes. very slowly and you're like oh this is <laughs> this is hard <laughs> like i don't want to watch this anymore yes uh but versus like you know jason x where jason is a woman in coolant fluid in space like yeah this is very different yes wonderful wonderful stuff um yeah uh, so i think it's definitely an interesting watch and i'm glad to have found it and like sort of seen this other film from this era where you know they experimented with these types of ideas Mm -hmm. uh but it does also feel like maybe they were holding back a little bit from the actual science fiction side of things and again i mean i know you wanted to see like beeps and boops and lights and (laughs) i don't have to i don't and that and that would be fun don't get me wrong like just just a nice reminder every now and then that's all but i i think even just exploring the mythology of self in the world and using the science fiction ideas a little bit more consistently Mm -hmm. would have been nice for me um but it's not a bad watch and it's, it's been interesting cast members and Ultimately, yeah, it was the it was it was a fun it's fun to like find something that you didn't know existed. Yeah, yeah. And we mean, have a master list that we're working from, but like this one's not on there. It's just yeah. something that popped up like, hey, this exists too. And it's not I wouldn't say it's good enough to be a gem. It, it's an interesting you know, one of the things I always talk about with old movies is that we tend to see a lot of the great old movies first, so we think of old movies being better because the ones yeah. that stand the test of time people still bring up that we get to first is because they are because they're generally good and sure every so often you'll see one that you disagree with maybe it's one doesn't work for you like you know you see blade running go ah this is a bit dull but <laughs> but for the most part the ones that stand the test of time you have a higher chance of liking because it is the good stuff obviously being movie fans doing a podcast and we're digging deeper we want to see weirder stuff we start to find the stuff that's just a seven out of ten right and i'm not saying that's what i'm rating that but i'm saying you know there's so many movies that we rate now that from new films that are sixties and sevens People don't talk about the 60s and 70s from the 70s no. and the 60s, right? They talk about the 9s and the 10s. They talk about the masterpieces right. and the, 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 the classics and the big extravagant films. No one's talking I mean, about... Yes, our 70s months were, have been very enlightening for yeah. me. No, no one's talking about the movie that came out, did okay for a weekend, and then no one talked about yeah. it again. You know? ZPG. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's a good film. <laughs> Yeah, and sometimes we find gems, but then sometimes they're just like this. They're, they're all right. I wouldn't have done, if I saw this in theaters, I'd be like, "Yeah, that was a decent watch." Uh, maybe not something I'm going to rush back to. Mm. But that's okay. probably tell your family about though, because it was filmed in Scotland. <laughs> <I'm> sure, <laughs> I guess. Um, <laughs> but yes, so. this one doesn't have the under the skin effect. If it came out, no, it would like because because I'm pretty sure World War Z 
dead like bonus numbers in Scotland just because like the Philadelphia scenes were like actually shot in Glasgow. Mm. Which I remember because when I was walking through going to uni at the time, uh, like it's amazing that this is cheaper than just shooting in Philadelphia, but clearly it is. But they actually had to like put up like American style traffic lights because they're different. They look different. So yeah, uh, you know, it's funny. It's funny watching that movie and getting because it's, it's, that movie's not that good. So it's like the most interesting part if you're Scottish is like, oh hey, this is totally in the middle of Glasgow and they're pretending it's Philadelphia or whatever. I mean, it's not the worst, but it should have been, according sure. to like the behind the scenes stuff. Oh which yeah. Is- probably more interesting <laughs> i actually i actually don't mind the last like half hour i think the last half hour where it's just like a, a sort of stealthy zombie movie in a lab mm-hmm. i kind of all, i like that bit all right uh there's the a C- lot of rubber zombies though yeah the cg horde of all the climbing and stuff is like someone thought this was so cool when they wrote it down and i just think it looks stupid so go away <laughs> all right let's wrap this up oh yeah yeah we're written we're written uh all right what are you rating death Seven watch out I think it falls into the category of what we've been watching in yeah. our 70s months, which tend to be a lot of sevens. Like, cool concept, some good stuff, some not so good stuff. Uh, I think, I, I'm glad I watched it. I think the, the pacing and the first act dragging on for quite a long time before it got to kind of like where the plot really started to get going, I think means I'm going to be just a touch harsher and give it a 6.5. Okay. But yeah, we're kind of in the ballpark. It's, you know, that's what it is. Uh, so there you go. If you made it this far into the review, uh, put the word Jonesy, because Harry Dean Stanton's there. I can't think of anything from this movie that was notable. <laughs> <laughs> Jonesy. Jonesy's the word. Uh, Tara's going to pose for the thumbnail. I am. So here we are. Three, two, one. Pose! My death watch. Okay, yes. Binoculars, to get it, yes. She's a peeping Tom. Uh, <laughs> that was a Bad to the Future reference. Thank you very much. Yes. Yes. That was good. I got it. So. What's coming up next time? Well, I was actually just before that. Uh, I, you know, I glanced at the IMDb reviews now, the user reviews, just to see if there's oh, any yeah, right. anything interesting. Uh, especially since I figured out uh, last time that I can filter to the one stars because it's a tiny bit funnier. But um, interestingly, the first couple of reviews here for this are so early, there's no rating out of 10 because I don't think IMDb had that yet. <laughs> yeah. It's like early 1999 and stuff. Uh, unless you, some people just didn't bother rating, but uh, I don't see why you wouldn't. That's what you do at IMDb. What else are you going to do? Uh, uh, honestly, there's only 24 reviews compared to the hundreds of some of the films that we we look at so clearly this is not a, a heavily watched movie now it has a um, blu-ray release though it does yeah show factory put a blu-ray out um you know but there's, there's a few sort of you know hidden gems there's a quite a few six out of tens and five out of tens uh so it feels like some actually skew towards our kind of general feeling uh i don't think there's anything super super funny here honestly um that's what i'm looking for i'm looking for the gold i'm looking for the you know if it's a good movie i'll look for the one star reviews because those, those will be funny if it's a bad movie i'll look for the 10 out of 10s because those will be I'll funny be curious for next week's uh one out of 10 reviews oh, 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 oh that's true that's true uh because next week of course is it's not technically episode 100 but the way that i number this where it's the movies like so as test subjects so test subject 100 is it's going to be is going to be now it's tara's favorite movie and the reason for that is because my favorite movie is naturally happening a little bit later this year for another reason uh <laughs> but tara's favorite movie of course is 2001 a space odyssey so that That's is right. what we're going to be talking about next week it, it ha- there's danger that the the dissected of that movie might be one of our meatiest yet so just <laughs> well don't promise anything now <laughs> I'm we, we might that. be having an off day you don't know I, oh i don't know i i i get excited <laughs> talking about that movie there's it is kubrick and it is the greatest movie of all time so. I'm, com- I'm coming with a, a thesis <laughs> <laughs> i have my drunk girl's thesis that uh i've been working on over the years <laughs> is this from drunk viewings is that the joke 
<clears throat> just like, hey, I'm I'm a little bit drunk and having a conversation with people. Let's talk about this movie and how I think it's super <laughs> deep and <laughs> all these things connect. <laughs> yeah, so Jai is next week for 2001 Space Odyssey and find out how it predicted. Everything I was going through my head is super dark. I'm trying to think of something silly to say to make the joke be okay. Uh, how it predicted the double stuffed Oreo. Mm. Yum. Those Important. are vegan. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. That must, that must feel great that you can eat those. I mean, it's... Yeah. <laughs> I do love Oreos. Treat yourself. Hey, we don't have double stuffed here. I, I would love double stuffed. The, the, the stuffing is the part I love. I'm kind of a fan of the thin ones. The thin ones are good. We do have the thin ones. They're, those are nice to munch on, but yeah. I, I do love the stuffing. I like the yeah. wafer part, too. I got I got a big Oreo cake thing just before Christmas as part of like a Christmas treat to myself. It was nice. I don't think I can eat the cakes, but I can eat the Oreos. You know, but what's that cake? It was a nice treat. Anyway, that has been uh, the show. Uh, so thank you once again for for watching or listening. I uh, will remind you just briefly of patreon.com slash TV. You want to support us over there with your monies and support us for free by simply hitting the like button, subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, all of it really does help a lot. Uh, Tara, would you like to just promote something else that we do? To the Make sure you watch podcast? our next episode. <laughs> also, we just uh, we did our, our top 50 science fiction movies of all time. So if you're curious, mm. That's true. <laughs> check that out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If, if this is one you've stumbled onto. Uh, yeah. Just a couple of episodes ago, we did our, a two-parter. It was a both parts combined are about five hours long. So <laughs> I didn't against my will. My will, yeah. Against your will, you're the one who halfway through said next time we should do a top one hundred. <laughs> That's what you <laughs> yeah, said. Yeah, but it should just be a list. Just be a, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's not how I uh, how I roll. <laughs> I okay, then that. we should have a prepared script. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh yeah, you go and write a script for a hundred movies. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, Movie in one line. <laughs> Movie a minute. That's a thing. Movie. Okay. Speed round. All right. That's us. Thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction and computer. Add salsa. Death. It's the new pornography.